0: Hello, I'm Jacob Krueger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) And in doing this, I'm really trying to do the impossible. The truth is, to fully break down everything, everywhere, all at once would take me a full day. Uh, In fact, it did. Uh, Back when the movie first came out, uh, I did a master class where I broke down the full structure of the movie over an entire Sunday. So what we're going to try to do today is kind of compress some of the incredibly complicated ideas in this film into some extremely useful concepts that you can use as you're trying to do probably the hardest thing for all screenwriters, which is balance the art and the craft and the business of screenwriting. So often we get caught between our desires, what we want the script to be, right? And the commercial demands, what we believe the market is telling us a script needs to be. And just the pure craft to actually solve the script and make it do those two things, right? Those are the three kind of buckets that we as writers struggle with and kind of like the main character in everything, everywhere, all at once, we often feel like that character sitting at her desk covered in papers at the beginning of the process or even in the middle of the process of writing our scripts, right? We're so overwhelmed Right, There are so many possibilities. There are so many piles for who the characters can be. We are actually experiencing everything, everywhere, all at once. Every possibility in the multiverse, all at the same time as writers. And just like Evelyn in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, we feel overwhelmed. And when we feel overwhelmed, what tends to happen is we tend to fall back onto some tropes. That we probably know aren't true, but seem easier and safer, right? We tend to go, well, forget about the craft and forget about the art. What does commercial say, right? What should I do? What am I supposed to do? What is selling right now? What is hot, right? We we start to lie to ourselves. We start to look for a formula that's going to solve the script for us, right? If only I could just do this. If only I could just do that. Tell me what happens in this act, right? We're looking for for a simple model to solve the problem for us because, like Evelyn, we feel overwhelmed. And similarly, like Evelyn, our real problem as writers is listening. What happens when we get overwhelmed is that, just like Evelyn, instead of listening to our characters we get distracted by the chatter. Instead of listening to that simple voice in ourselves, we get distracted by the chatter. Instead of seeing the beauty that is in front of us, we get distracted by what we or our writing or our characters are supposed to be. There is a really beautiful line. It's really the seminal line in the piece. Joy says to Evelyn, You could be anything, anywhere. Why not go somewhere your daughter is more than just this? Here, all we get are a few specks of time where any of this actually makes any sense. And Evelyn responds with maybe one of the most beautiful lines in cinema then I will cherish these few specks of time. What I'd like to suggest to you is that your job as a screenwriter is to cherish these few specks of time when your movie makes sense and to recognize especially early in the process that it's going to feel like just a few specks of time. The truth is, despite Joy's feeling about herself and the movie she's in, the story of her life, the truth is, by the end, by the final draft that you all saw, the film made a lot of sense. Even despite the fact that there are so many pieces that are too complicated for us to fully understand. You were actually able to go on the journey and make a hell of a lot of sense out of it. But along the way, a lot of us feel like joy. We feel like Evelyn. We feel like we're supposed to be something we're not. And we fail to recognize that our movie is actually built around those few specks of time where things make sense. Those few moments, those few scenes, those few images. Those few lines of dialogue that actually, those are the beginning of actually making sense of your script. In other words, what is commercial and what is craft grow out of what is art. And what is art begins with those few specks of time, those few moments in your script that really matter. I'm going to share with you, um, we will post uh, on our website, on the podcast page, an early draft of everything, everywhere, all at once. And when you look at this draft, you are going to be really shocked. You're going to be shocked to see how different it is from the film. First off, Evelyn's not even the main character. In fact, her name's not even Evelyn. The main character is Dad. Dad. The Weyman character, who, by the way, at this point, his name isn't even Weyman. His name is Jackie Chan. You'll notice that the structure of the script is a hundred times more confusing, that it doesn't hold together yet. You'll notice that the emotional core of the script isn't built yet. And most importantly, you will notice that the opening sequence, which we're going to discuss very deeply, that the opening sequence doesn't even exist. Rather, we are dropped directly into the madness of the action film. Why doesn't it exist? It doesn't exist because just like Evelyn, the Daniels are still making sense of their own project. They're still making sense of their own journey this project that is eventually gonna be an Academy Award-winning film that, beyond the awards, an incredibly moving film, is not yet in its final form. And I think it's so important for you guys to see that you are not the only person writing crappy first drafts, crappy second drafts, crappy 20-second drafts. That the professional writers that you admire Go through the same process that you go through, but they go through it with a different kind of experience. Rather than looking for what is broken in their script, rather than looking for what they are supposed to do, the writers that you admire start by looking for those little specs where things actually make sense. They start by looking for those little moments of beauty, those little simple elements, those little things that point towards what the film really wants to be. And then what they do is they build around that. They apply craft, and they apply genre elements around those little elements of beauty. Now, the Daniels have a long history of doing the impossible. In fact, um, their earlier film, Swiss Army Man, which if you haven't seen yet, Run, Don't Walk, they actually made a list of all the things that they hate in movies. They made an epic list. We hate this, we hate this, we hate this, we hate this. And then what they did was they made a movie that did all of those things and that did it in a beautiful Powerful, funny, emotionally moving, ridiculous, playful, goofy way. In Everything Everywhere All at Once, they took this to the next level. So the Daniels love kung fu movies, but they had a problem in making one, which is that they are pacifists. How do you make a kung fu movie as a pacifist how do you make a kung fu movie when you want to make movies about empathy but they love kung fu movies you can see if you notice the references they also love wong kar-wai movies how how do you do that how How do you write? It seems impossible, right? This is the opposite of what action movies do, right? Action movies are supposed to teach you to solve your problems with fists and guns and knives and swords and badass kung fuery. And the Daniels want to use this same format to write a commercial movie filled with kung fu. As if that weren't hard enough. The Daniels are kind of doing an adaptation of multiple movies. It's the opposite of Swiss Army Man. Instead of pulling from the movies they hate, they're now pulling from the movies they love. They're pulling from The Matrix. They're pulling from Wong Kar Wai. They are pulling from Home Alone. Right? Um, if you watch the director's commentary, there are about a half a dozen other movies that they mention that they are pulling from. So they're doing this kind of epic adaptation, right? Where they're pulling from all these wonderful Kung Fu and non-Kung Fu movies that they love. They're trying to transform them into a Kung Fu movie about empathy. Oh, and by the way, they're also trying to capture the idea of the multiverse, right? The idea that maybe there are a trillion billion quadrillion different things happening all at the same time, right? That that what we consider our reality is actually a fragmentation of different possible lives, real and imagined. They are trying to do all this all at the same time. And by the way, they're also trying to tell a story about the immigrant experience in America and what is it like to be a child of an immigrant. What is it like to be a child of parents who come from a different culture from you? They're trying to make a movie about listening set in the world of Kung Fu. And what's so moving and what's so powerful about everything, everywhere, all at once is that they do it. They do it successfully, but they don't do it in one stage. They do it in multiple stages. And this is going to be similar to the process that you experience in your own writing. If you try to do it in one step, you're not going to make something commercial. You're also not going to make art what you're going to make is a paint-by-numbers approximation of something commercial. And it may feel good to finish that, but that is not going to sell your movie. What you're trying to figure out as you build a movie, whether it's something as complicated as everything, everywhere, all at once, or whether you're making something really simple like the Banshees of Inesharon, you're always trying to do the same thing. You're trying to figure out what your story is really about. And I'm about to say something a little wild about this, but I think when you really look at everything, everywhere, all at once, you will understand it. Every movie is really just a drama dressed up with certain kinds of genre elements. Everything Everywhere All at Once, if you strip away all the kung fu, all the magic, all the film references, all the metaverses, all the humor, all the commentary, if you strip away all that stuff, Everything Everywhere All at Once is really just a movie about a woman who married the love of her life but lost her father in the process. A woman who chased her dreams only to end up feeling like her dreams didn't work out. Only to end up feeling like she's trapped in a bagel or in a dryer going round and round and round. You can actually see those two images are built together. We'll talk about that later. Going round and round and round doing laundry, paying taxes. She feels like she's living the worst version of her life. And because she feels like she's living the worst version of her life, she's also not able to see the beauty of the people around her. She is not able to see the beauty of her husband. She sees him as a wimp. She doesn't realize that he has his own beautiful way of fighting. She's not able to see her daughter. She sees her daughter as having been possessed by something. By something that's made her attracted to women. That's made her something that she doesn't understand as a mother. That's made her different than her vision for who her daughter is supposed to be. And in seeing her that way, she has pushed her daughter so hard that she's broken her. She's broken something fundamental in her. She's been abandoned by her father for pursuing her love and yet she's still trying to please her father. She's still trying to make up for the part of herself that feels like her father is disappointed in her. She's carrying her disappointment with her and in the process she is doing to her daughter the same thing her father did to her. She's being audited by the IRS And she sees her auditor, Deirdre, as a monster coming after her, preying on her because she is an immigrant. Without seeing her own part, without seeing that she is unfocused, she is not listening, she is not dealing with everything, she is distracted by everything, everywhere, all at once. All the elements of her life are overwhelming her. And again, if you strip away all the beautiful action sequences, what you will notice is that this is really just a story of a woman reconnecting with her husband and her daughter. Learning to accept her daughter as she is learning to stop working out her own stuff on her daughter, learning that she has to confront her father and stand up for her daughter, learning that she needs to fight with love and not just with fists, learning that it's actually those few specks of time where the meaning can be found, learning that, that the fact that Nothing matters. Actually means we can do anything and be anyone we want. So we have a character-driven drama about a woman who cannot listen to her daughter, who cannot see the people in front of her, who is distracted by the thousands of things happening all around her, who's distracted by All the possibilities she failed to live in her own self esteem. The choices that she's replaying again and again in her life. Her disappointment between where she expected to go and where she is, who feels she's living the worst version of her life. And if we strip away all the magic and all the action and all the drama, we build to a point where she realizes it's all meaningless. So we meet a woman at the beginning whose husband presents her with divorce papers. Not because he wants a divorce. Because it's the only way he can imagine that he might get her to actually pay attention. And we watch her fight the divorce. She doesn't want the divorce. How dare he try to divorce her? How dare he think divorce is okay? We watch her fight. We have a woman who believes her daughter has been possessed by something that's made her different than she's supposed to be, that's made her attracted to women. And while she's trying to be supportive in her way, she's allowing it the way she sees it. She's not able to accept it. This is not the way it's supposed to be. It's like some malevolent force, some Jobutupaki, took her daughter over and transformed her away from the vision she had for her. And we're watching a woman fight within herself because the father who abandoned her, she still wants his approval. So we begin with this beautiful scene, this tragic scene, where Gong Gong's supposed to meet Becky. And Evelyn introduces Becky not as Joy's girlfriend, but as Joy's good friend. And this causes a rift between Joy and Evelyn that starts the whole journey, not of the action, yes, of the action, but not just of the action, but of the character-driven drama underneath. We build from there and despite all the action sequences if you really look you'll see that each act of everything everywhere all at once is not built around action it's built around character driven sequences between evelyn joy and Waymond. it's built around a journey by which, a character-driven dramatic journey around which these characters will come to see each other more clearly. In particular, where Evelyn will come to see both Waymond and Joy more clearly. Evelyn begins the movie, and this is a purposeful pun, feeling like she needs to get her joy back. Somebody took her joy. What happened to her joy? She fell in love with the love of her life. She was supposed to live a life full of joy. Instead, she's chasing around in a circle, doing laundry, paying taxes, getting nowhere. She has lost joy, her daughter, and she's lost her personal joy. And along the way, she will start to see her husband, her daughter, and herself more clearly. And at first, seeing them more clearly will overwhelm her. She will go on an epic journey from fighting her husband to not get divorced to signing the divorce papers because it's not worth pretending anymore. She will go on an epic journey from fighting for her laundromat to smashing her laundromat with a baseball bat saying, I always hated this place. In other words, she will personally go on the same personal dramatic journey that Joe Butapaki goes on in the big epic magic journey. She will become so overwhelmed by everything, by actually looking at Everything rather than running from it by actually accepting the overwhelmingness, the complexity, and the meaninglessness of the universe, that she will get sucked into nihilism, into letting go of any belief in anything. And this is a dramatic journey that you're probably familiar with if you're a screenwriter. Because we all start off and we're excited about our characters and our journeys and we got the best idea for a script, you know, and dad's saying, hey, you know, you're sure you don't want to go to law school? And we're saying, no, no, I need to do this. I'm going to follow my dream. But then we get overwhelmed by the impossibility of it all, right? We get overwhelmed not just by what makes it hard, but by all the possible choices, And not knowing how to make sense of all those possible choices. All the ideas that come to us. And not knowing how to make sense. The rules of who we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to please. And not knowing how to make sense of all those rules and all those demands and all those things. And how to pay our bills and how to stay afloat. And how to feel like we're not just running in a giant circle doing laundry and paying taxes. We go on the same journey as Evelyn. And what rescues Evelyn after all of that, just when it looks impossible, what rescues Evelyn are the characters that already exist around her. What rescues El- Evelyn. The people she's already surrounded herself with that she's just failed to really look at. Because on the other side of that hopelessness, she learns a couple of things. The first thing she learns is it's one thing to destroy yourself as a mother, it's a second thing to see your daughter destroying herself again let's strip away all the magic of the bagel what she's really watching is her daughter choose self-destruction and meaninglessness because of the way she's been treated because she's actually been treated the same way by her mom that Evelyn was treated by Gong Gong The second thing is she starts to see the beauty in her husband, this guy that she saw as such a total wimp. Again, we're stripping away all the magic, we're stripping away all the action sequences and the kung fu. This is a story, she has destroyed her laundromat in any hope of saving herself from Deirdre the tax collector. And then her husband does something amazing. He does his own kind of kung fu, which is about cookies and talking, about empathy, about listening, about understanding where other people are coming from. And he gets them another week. He gives them a glimmer of hope inside the meaninglessness. And she starts to see him differently. In the action world, she starts to fight like him, and we get this gorgeous, gorgeous kung fu sequence that's all about empathy and love. But in the dramatic world, there's something even more beautiful going on, right? Sure, this is playing out in magic land where she and her daughter have turned into rocks, so that finally things can go quiet and they can stop being distracted by the noise and they can actually just communicate with each other. But really what's happening is a character-driven drama about a daughter and a, and a mother actually listening for the first time. And out of that connection... Two things happen to Evelyn. Number one, she realizes she's been fighting the wrong way and she's been judging her husband wrong and now she's going to try to fight like him. She's going to try to be more like him, be more empathetic. And number two, she actually is able to acknowledge the mistake she's made with her daughter and she tries to redo it, again, in the dramatic world. She grabs her daughter, she grabs Becky, she pulls him up the Gong Gong, and she says, this is Becky. She's Joy's girlfriend. She confronts Gong. She is no longer willing to do to her daughter what he did to her. She's no longer willing to fight for his love and respect. She's going to do what's right. So you can see there's a beautiful character-driven drama and we're building towards this wonderful Hallmark moment, right? A mother who's gone from this is her good friend to this is her girlfriend and now we're all going to hug and make up, right? But this is not a Hallmark movie. This is a character-driven drama cloaked in Kung Fu and metaphysics. This is a simple story, but it's not an oversimplified story. Because in real life, That one moment does not change everything. And what happens to Evelyn is a huge shock, right? She's finally done the right thing. And what does her daughter do? Her daughter runs outside, runs away from her. And they have this painful confrontation. They've gone through every permutation of who they can be. And they're back to the same confrontation that happened before. And the first scene, when she told her daughter, you look fat, when she really wanted to say, I'm sorry. Except this time, she makes the exact opposite decision. She opens her heart to her daughter. No bullshit. She tells her exactly what she feels. And Joy responds with exactly what she feels. And the incredible tragedy of this, again, strip away all the magic, the incredible tragedy of this drama is that it doesn't work. She's done the exact opposite thing and found herself in the same place of fragmentation. In fact, what comes out of her daughter is even worse than what came out of her daughter when she told her she was fat. What comes out of her daughter is, you have to let me go. So we watch a woman who's made her A to Z change, and it has not worked. And we watch her her let her daughter go. Again, this is a drama. Sure, she's letting her daughter go against a thousand different metaverses. But really, this is just a story about a woman who tried everything a little too late and who feels like she needs to let her daughter go. But what's so beautiful is that on the other side of that, right? on the other side of what looks like a tragedy, we find a more interesting and complicated, dramatic truth. Because having revealed their truth to each other and having let her daughter go, Right? Having done the opposite of pushing her daughter. Her daughter's hand appears back on the other side of the bagel in the magical world. Or in the dramatic world, her daughter reaches back out. And her daughter shares a vulnerability that I mentioned earlier. You could be anything, anywhere. Why not go somewhere your daughter is more than just this? Here, we get, here all we get are a few specks of time where any of this actually makes sense. And this allows Evelyn to finally come to her realization, right? Yes, nothing matters, but we can still cherish those few specks of time. And from those few specks of time, we can build a beautiful life. In fact, at the end of the sequence, Evelyn says we can do whatever we want. Nothing matters. And you can see this is an even more complicated version of that A to Z change, right? It's gone from everything matters, right? In fact, this even gets dramatized. Uh, Deirdre says... I can't imagine anything more important than this tax stuff, right? And Alpha Wayman says, I can't imagine anything more important than what's hap- w- the conversation we're happening right now. We, we go from a woman who felt like everything was so important, the noodles and the, the taxes and the Gong Gong's birthday and, and the laundry and everything is so important, to we can do whatever we want nothing matters and out of this we find a beautiful dramatic ending again one more twist on the complication because even though she's gone on this a to z change she hasn't completely changed as a person she's still who she is becky drops her off at the irs office and she wants to say i love you to becky but instead she says becky you need to grow your hair She goes into the IRS office and she gives Wayman the kiss that she wished for back in the first scene, which we'll talk about in a moment. She gives Wayman that kiss. And even Deirdre acknowledges, things are better, you listened. But then she goes on to say, but you didn't listen. Did you hear me? And the last line of the movie Sorry, what did you say? Right, we're not watching a mother who becomes a perfect mother. We're watching a mother who learns to listen sometimes. We're not watching a character who becomes a perfect character, who becomes the best version of herself. We're watching a character who takes a step towards being that version. I'd like to suggest to you that this is our journey as a writer too, right? Every day to take that step towards being the writer you want to be. And that those steps begin with art. They do not begin with what's commercial, and they do not begin with craft. They actually begin with art. And art is really just starting to put things on the paper even if they suck. Starting to experiment with the multiverses of possibilities, terrible and goofy and silly and badly executed and ridiculous and fun and moving and sad and tonally dissonant. Starting to experiment and looking for those few specks of time where things make sense. Those few moments that point your way towards what the movie wants to be which may be something more profound and different than what you expected when you sat down to write it. I'd like to suggest to you that just like Evelyn's journey is about noticing the characters around her, that our journey as writers is exactly the same. It's about noticing the characters around us and accepting those characters, seeing their beauty, understanding who they are, and recognizing that all of the answers are right there in the characters. It's in acknowledging the truth of the characters, not the formula, right? The formula is that Evelyn introduces Becky as as her daughter's girlfriend, and Hallmark, we all hug and everything's better. But that's not true. The truth of this character-driven drama is much more complicated than that. And that's what we're really looking for as writers. We're looking for the truth. The truth for these characters, the truth for us. We're looking for the truth that's more complicated than the romantic comedy formula or whatever formula you're following. We're looking to get beyond what we planned for our characters to what actually needs to happen. And once we do that, we now have a simple kind of decoder ring for everything that happens. Remember you used to buy the Captain Crunch cereal and they had the Captain Crunch decoder ring and that allowed you to see? Well, the same thing is true. Once you figure out the story you're really telling, you can start to realize that whatever form that story is t- taking, If you're writing a kung fu movie, if you're writing a horror movie, like A Quiet Place, for example, if you've listened to my podcast on A Quiet Place, it's the exact same process. A Quiet Place is really just a character-driven drama about a family that can't talk to each other. It's the same story as Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's about the horror of not being able to say, I love you. Once you understand the dramatic story underlying your genre elements, whether that's drama, horror, comedy, right? Uh, BoJack Horseman is just a comedy about the legacy of, of addiction. It's a comedy. It's a thousand puns a minute about the legacy of addiction once you realize that character-driven drama that you are telling underneath the genre elements, you have a little decoder ring that you can look at those genre elements with and understand what needs to happen and what can't happen, what is right and what is wrong, what fits and what doesn't fit, how to make sense and order out of the chaos. Because we as writers all live in a multiverse. And one of the simple ways that you can bring order to the chaos and start to apply craft is by asking yourself underneath the magical fantasy and all the ideas, what's the character-driven drama that I'm telling? How do the characters change? What is their journey? What's the emotional drama? And once you understand the character-driven drama underneath, You can start to say, well, what are the symbolic representations of all of those things? In part two of this podcast, we're going to be carefully examining the first scene of Everything Everywhere all at once. I'm going to do a full breakdown of how the scene is built and what it can teach you about finding the character-driven drama underneath your own movie or TV show, no matter what the genre is you might be writing. We're going to talk about the Daniels writing process in creating that scene and how that scene is used to bring focus to the chaos of that almost impossible premise that the Daniels are landing, a kung fu movie about empathy set in a world of multiple universe. So we're going to learn how the Daniels use this one sequence, which by the way was created late in the development process in order to lay the foundation for a character-driven movie underneath all the madness and kung fu. So stay tuned, we're gonna have a great time. If you enjoyed this podcast, come study with me. You can do it online from anywhere in the world. We have foundation classes in screenwriting and TV writing, a one-on-one mentorship program that pairs you with a professional writer, a master class taught at the grad school level, uh, and so many other wonderful options. Check it out, writeyourscreenplay.com, link in bio.